Welcome to this week's presentation with Scott Toole. We are thrilled to have you joining us as we gain insight from God's Word. Now, speaking from Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland, here's Pastor Toole. Uh, turning your Bibles to Exodus chapter number 30. Exodus chapter number 30. And of course, uh, God's giving instruction about the tabernacle from the inside out. Uh, instruction about the tabernacle from the inside out. And tonight we're going to look at silver sockets uh, and brass basins. Okay, silver sockets and, uh, and brass basins. And we're going to start verse number 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, verse number 12, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. When thou takest the sum, the number... When thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them, when thou numberest them, make sure when you number them, you're doing it for the right reason. Uh, and if you don't have the right motive, there's going to be a plague, that there be no plague. Does anybody remember an instance of when there was a numbering of God's people and there, there was a plague? Remember Second Samuel chapter number 24 when David uh, was numbering, numbering Israel and uh, Joab was trying to talk him out of it because uh, he was doing it for the wrong reason, trusting in his numbers, uh, uh, that, that carnal kind of a motive. Uh, and there was a plague. He had a choice whether it was seven years of famine or three months of, uh, of defeat by his enemies or three days of judgment of a plague, of a pestilence. And, of course, he chose that, that, that three days. But there was a plague because he had the wrong motive. It wasn't the right motive. He had the the wrong motive when he numbered uh, God's people. And if you number the people of God, uh, make sure it's for the right motive. Uh, if it's uh, to compare yourselves among yourselves and uh, measure yourselves by yourselves, then you're not wise, plague. If you're trusting in the numbers that you have, plague, uh, we need to trust God as much now as we did uh, when there was a 97-2 to vote, when there was a, a meager amount of people by trusting God uh, and numbering of the people here uh, in Exodus chapter 30 was in order to take an offering. Look at it, verse number, verse number 11, chapter 30. It's the right motive, the right motive. Take an offering for, for God's work, for God's building. Uh, verse 11, and, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give. Then shall they give. Look at verse number 13. Uh, this they shall give, and then he uh, enumerates, he, he uh, specifies, uh, everyone that passeth among them that are numbered, half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary, uh, a shekel is 20 giras, a uh, half shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. Everyone, everyone that passeth among them that are numbered from 20 years old above shall give, everyone shall give an offering unto the Lord. The rich shall not give more, the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. Uh, when they give, when they give, they shall give, when they give, an offering unto the Lord to make atonement for your souls. Interesting phrase. To make an atonement for your souls. Silver for the atonement of their souls. Uh, 16. And thou shalt take the atonement money. Thou shalt take. Uh, it's interesting when churches take an offering, uh, the, the wording is always uh, stressed on. Do we receive an offering? Do we take an offering? Uh, the wording, just because an offering a lot of times uh, can make people nervous. And here it's not... Okay, we're going to receive an offer. We're taken. Look at it. We're taken. Thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel uh, and shall appoint it for the service. Here it is. 
for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation that it be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. Now, it's interesting to me that every piece of furniture in the tabernacle, uh, whether it was the mercy seat, whether it was the Ark of the Covenant, whether it was the candlestick, the menorah, whether it was the fabric coverings, uh, every piece of the tabernacle was built from the contributions of the people monetarily, built from the the contributions, the offerings of the people financially, whether it's uh, jewels, that they had necklaces, that they had earrings, that they had gold, that they had fabric, that they had linen that was uh, given to them. And it was basically God gives power to get wealth. Uh, Where they got that wealth from was when they were leaving Egypt, God gave favor to them. They plundered, they spoiled the Egyptians. and, And with that wealth, that secular job that they had, with that wealth, God used that and the idea, the principle of, uh, of our offerings that we do here, the, even the Christmas offerings, you heard about it Sunday morning, uh, the Christmas offerings to, to better, uh, to uh, designate towards uh, uh, keeping up the auditorium or whether it's nurseries, whether event center, whether it was uh, air conditionings one year, whether it was lights uh, one year. Hey, that's not a new idea. That idea has been happening uh, all the way back in Exodus chapter 30. Uh, even Joash's chest, where the, the idea of God's people giving to take care of God's house, God's people giving to take care of God's house, uh, and here it's the tabernacle, the tabernacle. Uh, a, a rare question every once in a while is asked, well, well why do we, why do we uh, take, take up offerings like we do? Usually asked by someone who doesn't give. Uh, offerings usually asked by someone who who does not tithe well why do we uh, emphasize tithing and offering Uh, it's not a new idea it's not even our idea it's God's plan for building his house for caring for his house and so uh, the next piece that we see paid for by that that plunder by the offerings of God's people put down number one if you will the silver sockets the silver sockets the silver sockets Verse 11, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, when thou takest some of the children of Israel, uh, then every man's going to give a ransom. They're going to give a ransom. Uh, every man's going to give a ransom. Verse 13, this they shall give. Here it is. Everyone that passeth among them that are numbered, a half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. Uh, by the way, uh, eventually this became the temple tax. The temple tax. And so here, uh, it's for the, the, the building, the upkeep of the tabernacle. Uh, New Testament, you'll see temple tax. Uh, it's for the, the temple, their tabernacle, their, their uh, and then New Testament uh, temple. It was a shekel is 20 giras, and half shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. Uh, everyone, everyone, 14, that passeth among them that are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. Everyone, 15, the rich shall not give more, the poor shall not give less than half shekel. When they give, when they give, they shall give. Everyone shall give. When they give uh, an offering unto the Lord to make an atonement, for your souls, where some offerings were free will offerings, this was a mandatory offering. That where some offerings were as the Lord leads for the upkeep of the tabernacle, for the upkeep of the temple, in my opinion, for the upkeep of God's house, Malachi chapter 3, that there may be meat in my house, but where some offerings are a free will offering, this was anything but. Uh, it was a mandatory, everyone, rich and the poor. Uh, everyone is to be giving towards that building to benefit uh, that place of worship, that, 
that, that place where God's program took place. By the way, uh, that phrase, uh, it was to make an atonement for, for your souls. To make an atonement for, for your souls. Hey, don't misunderstand that. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church has, has misused and misconstrued that, uh, and that's one of the, uh, the uh, twisted verses they use for the sale of indulgences, where uh, you can pay for sins, or the sins you commit you can pay for, or buying masses in order to shorten uh, the purgatory that someone has to spend time in purgatory. Boy, buy masses and give money. Uh, they, they use that to make atonement for their souls, uh, but understand when when there's an obscure verse or a verse that, that seems a little, wow, that just seems a little different, you always interpret the obscure by the obvious. You always interpret the obscure by the obvious. In uh, the Bible obviously says, in Leviticus 16, uh, the bullet for a sin offering, the goat for a sin offering, the blood, the blood makes atonement in the holy place. Leviticus 17, it is the blood that makes atonement. It's the blood, that sacrifice, that makes uh, atonement for the soul. And so the obvious is, throughout the whole Bible, uh, you uh, interpret the obscure by the obvious. Uh, you interpret the minority passage, and it's basically, all of it coalesces. It's basically when you come to a hard place that's minority, that's obscure, uh, you, you take all that you already know, the majority passages, the, the obvious passages, well, that can't possibly mean that I pay for my salvation, that that I give silver in order to be saved. Hey, I know it can't mean that. Okay, what does it mean? It basically is talking about the process of the atonement of the souls, the process of that, the day of atonement. But it would start with a sheep that was cared for by a shepherd that was brought to the tabernacle, brought to the temple, uh, where the, the priest would take that brazen altar sacrifice, that blood, uh, that blood of atonement placed on that mercy seat in the tabernacle, uh, in the temple, and so that, that, that uh, silver shekels, that, that temple tax was a part of the process to take care of the tabernacle, that holy place. Uh, it, it took care of uh, that, that place where that process took place. Does that make sense to anybody at all? It's not just if you give that shekel, you're saved, or uh, if you give that offering, you're saved. Uh, no, it goes, goes towards a critical place that is a part of the process of that atonement, that atonement process, uh, because that tabernacle was a part of that. That, that, that temple was a part of that. Uh, it's almost like uh, us saying today that during an offering, every penny that you give is going to go towards reaching the lost. Uh, every penny that you give is going to go towards uh, reaching the lost. It doesn't mean that the lost are reached just because we give, just because of a fixed dollar uh, amount, uh, but uh, every dollar you give in the Christmas offering is going to care for the upkeep uh, of the church, and so when people come in, uh, when the gospel is preached, it's a part of the process. Uh, every offering you give uh, is going to be printing tracts or caring for the building or sending out missionaries or starting churches. Every penny you give uh, is going to go towards reaching the law, seeing people saved. It doesn't mean you give. Someone got saved. You say, Someone got saved. It means it's a part of that process. And here, uh, it's to take care of the tabernacle, that holy place. Does every uh, make, make sense to anybody at all? And so it's not about uh, silver shekels uh, equals salvation. Uh, it, it's silver shekels uh, pays for part of that process. For us, 
It would be pays for the process of keeping up buildings or printing tracts or uh, expanding ministries or uh, having services or paying for lights to be on so people can see their Bible uh, when we're teaching and when we're preaching. And so same with the text here. Uh, the silver doesn't save, but it is used to care for the vehicle, that, that process, that, that place where it happens, okay? Uh, now, those silver shekels in Exodus 38, uh, specifically with the tabernacle, they're used to make silver sockets. Silver sockets. If you cross-reference Exodus 26 and then Exodus 38, uh, those sockets or those boards, that shittim wood boards, kind of oblong, uh, acacia wood, kind of a gnarly, kind of a thorny uh, tree. It's one and a half cubits, kind of an oblong uh, kind of a shape. Those, those boards by themselves, uh, there's not much use for them, but those silver sockets would couple them, couple them, couple them, couple them. Uh, and those silver sockets would allow for those boards to be built up into a spiritual house, 1 Peter 2, 5, as living stones. Have you noticed that, that a lot of us are oblong and, and kind of gnarly and, and prickly like those uh, acacia wood, that shittim wood, those, those thorn trees, and, and none of us are perfect, uh, but, 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 but when we give offerings towards the work of God, boy, our, hearts, our hearts are joined together, uh, the church of God is built up, uh, the body of Christ is, is edified, uh, and God uses, as we give, those silver shekels, those silver shekels, God uses our giving in order to build us up as lively stones into a spiritual house. And so in the same way, uh, those boards are joined together. They're tenioned uh, together. Uh, and, and again, it's interesting that, that God would use any acacia wood or any shittim wood that, that isn't perfect wood, uh, much like uh, why doesn't he just use pure silver and pure gold? There's a lot of that there. Uh, but why would he include something that's oblong or gnarly or, or, or prickly? Uh, it's because God wants to use our humanity when, when he does clothe us in his righteousness, when he empowers us with his spirit so that he will get the praise. You know, the glory of the tabernacle isn't the acacia wood. It's not the shittim wood. The glory of the tabernacle is the Shekinah glory of God, that pillar of cloud, that pillar of fire that, that is above the mercy seat. There will I meet with thee, God says. That's where the glory is. But understand, the house that houses that, why God uses humanity in order to bless there. And so I, I, I guess what I would say is, uh, if someone is saved, don't see them as acacia wood or shittim wood or gnarly or prickly, uh, no matter how prickly their personality may be. Make sure you're looking for Christ in them, uh, for what Christ is doing for them and, and, and through them. Uh, remember when uh, it's Mark chapter 8 where uh, the guy that was blind, uh, God uh, uh, healed, and he said, he opened his eyes and said, Boy, I see men as trees walking. Uh, I see men as acacia wood, men as shittim wood, uh, nitpicking and fault finding. And boy, I, I just see, I just see them at, like, like trees, like, like so many of the Pharisees who are always nitpicking and fault finding and, and, and criticizing. Uh, Christ would do an incredible miracle, and they would say, but he does it on the Sabbath. 
nitpicking, fault-finding, criticizing. I I don't like the way he does it. Uh, Oh, yes, God is moving and something's happening, but I I don't agree with the process or or how it's done. Uh, When they should have been looking for the glory of God in who was doing the work. And so Christ touched him a second time, and, and then he saw all men clearly. And so let's be focusing on, uh, focusing on, thinking about what's good and of a good report and uh, whatsoever is true and if there be any uh, praise, any virtue. Hey, think on those things. Think on those things. Uh, don't think about how, uh, well, they don't do like I would do and they're not uh, perfect. Yeah, just like we're not perfect. And so uh, see what God is doing in them and what God is doing through them, the silver sockets, the silver sockets. Look at it again, verse 17. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass. Put down number two, a brass basin. And so silver sockets, unrelated to that, uh, the order is getting a little bit random as we're continuing to go through. He does go from the inside out, uh, but, but catching that uh, altar of incense when he's on the outside after the brazen, uh, uh, the, the brazen altar. And now uh, silver sockets and now uh, the brass basin. 17. And the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal. And thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou shalt put water there. And by the way, pause there. Where it's located is when you come through that, that eastern gate. Uh, uh, as soon as you walk in, um, the brazen altar, you're forced to go by that. You can't possibly miss that. You have to go by that. Why? Because ye must be born again. You can't really do any service for the Lord if you don't first pass by that brazen altar. You can't really see any of the glories of the Lord because except a man be born again, he cannot see. He cannot see why he's blind and cannot see afar off. And so uh, they're forced as you walk through that that eastern gate uh, to pass by that brazen altar. And of course, that's where the sacrifice, the sin offering, the burnt offering uh, took place, and the lamb was laid on that. Uh, and of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, behold the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of, our, the, the sin of the world. Uh, and so uh, after that brazen altar, then comes that brass basin. That brass basin, uh, there, there's actually two parts to that brass basin. There's a top and there's a bottom. Look at it in verse number 19. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat when they go into the tabernacle of the congregation. They shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister to, to, to burn offerings uh, uh, made by fire unto the Lord. Uh, so they shall wash uh, their hands and their feet that they die not. And it shall be a statute forever to them, uh, even to them, uh, and to a seed throughout their generations. And so uh, you're saved. And then uh, the, uh, the brass basin pictures the word of God. Uh, once you're saved, boy, what we need is drinking in, washing in, reflecting in the mirror and the water uh, of the Word of God. Okay, So the top, if you think about it in two parts, the top was a mirror-like piece of furniture on the top. Uh, and then below that was a catch basin uh, that had water. And both, of course, represent the Word, uh, the mirror and that water, that, that, that mirror and that that water. James chapter 1. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, that mirror, that mirror, we look into the word of God and we see ourselves. 
Uh, we look into the Word of God and we see our blemishes, our flaws. Wait, we look into the Word of God and we see the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's who He's transforming us uh, into His image. And so you, you look into the mirror, the mirror, beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself, goeth his way, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was, but whoso looketh into, that mirror, the perfect law of liberty, and continueth there, and he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I found the more time I spend in the word of God, the more I see who I am. In me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But I see the righteousness of Christ. I see the righteousness of Christ. He is the Word. Uh, the Word. Uh, the Word. Uh, he is the Word. And so as I walk through the Word of God, I, I see Him uh, and I see me. Uh, and I realize, boy, I need to wash in the water. Uh, it not only shows me, it also cleanses me. And by the way, uh, those mirrors are different back then. They're made out of brass that are highly polished. Highly polished brass, you can see your reflection. Of course, uh, brass in the Bible is a type of judgment. Judgment. You look into the Word, uh, your sin is judged. John chapter 12, He that rejecteth me receiveth not my words, uh, hath one that judgeth him, the word that I have spoken. And so, uh, as you look into the Word of God, boy, that's when, uh, remember, um, uh, the Israelites said, um, uh, you, you go to God and then you come back to us. Let not God speak with us, lest we die. Let not God speak with us, lest we die. You know, that's exactly what we need. Well, I need my flesh to die. I need my carnal appetites to die. I need my pride and my envy to die. To be put to death, I die daily. I'm crucified with Christ. What I need to do is look into the mirror of the Word of God and let the Word of God strip away the carnality and strip away the flesh uh, and to put to death that old man to be crucified with Christ. Uh, but then, after the mirror, after the mirror, uh, then comes the water. And so all of it, the Word of God, uh, you have the brazen uh, altar, salvation, and then the brass basin is the Word of God, the water, the water. Uh, Ephesians 5.25. Okay, you, you see the blemishes, you see the dirt, and, and then the water you wash. You see the blemishes, you see the dirt, and then the water you wash. Uh, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, cleanse it, and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot, not having wrinkle, uh, or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. So you look in the mirror, you see the blemishes, you see the dirt. Uh, they've been walking in the wilderness, walking in that desert, that dust, that dry land, uh, and they see that, and then reflecting in it, and then washing by it. Psalm 119.9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse, cleanse, cleanse his way by taking heed according to thy word. John 15, Now are ye clean, cleansing. Boy, you reflect in the mirror, you see your sin. You wash in the water, you cleanse your sin. Reflect in the mirror, uh, where now are ye clean through the words that I have spoken unto you. And so uh, the two parts is, the mirror, the mirror, uh, and then the second part is the water. Uh, I spend time reflecting in the word mirror. I spend time washing the word water, okay? Uh, I have a couple of questions, and just put your thinking caps on. Uh, number one, first question, uh, the Bible says in verse number 18, 
and thou shalt put water therein. The first question is, where did the water come from? I think we've talked about this before. Where did the water come from? The water that's in that basin, uh, we understand where uh, the mirrors, where uh, the, the offerings for the tabernacle, but, but where did the water come from? Uh, remember, a lot of their journey can be chronicled by uh, uh, too much water, too little water, too poisonous water. Uh, they were always crying out, I, I thirst, I, I, I'm dry, I, I, I am parched. Uh, where did they get the water? Uh, the brass mirror judges our life. The, the basin of water is what cleanses our life. But where did the water come from? And I propose they got the water from the laver from the only place they got water from, and that's the rock. The rock. The rock. Remember when Moses struck the rock? And water poured out. And then Moses was to speak to the rock, and the water was, was to pour out. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 4, and did, they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Well, if they got water from the rock to fill that basin... Can you imagine how pure that water was? Uh, how different? Uh, how other than? Uh, is it avian water, that bottled water uh, that costs like 15 bucks a bottle? Spelled backwards, it's naive. But anyway, uh, the different bottled water hey, is nothing compared to the water that they would have washed in. They would have washed in. Boy, that water from the rock, the rock that followed them, that rock was Christ. And so... Uh, they, they pass the brazen altar salvation, and then they come to the, the, the brass basin, seeing their, their blemishes, seeing their, their sin, uh, and then washing in that water from the rock. By the way, uh, just something on the side. I, I also think it's interesting that there's no dimensions given to how much water was in that basin. Uh, almost as if there's an endless supply from the rock we know there would have been. Uh, almost as if there's a boundless supply uh, of water uh, in that basin. It all pictures the Word of God, 2 Timothy 2.9. The Word of God is not bound. It's boundless, has no boundaries. It's infinitely deep. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. I hath not seen, neither ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man all the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Uh, I love the fact that that you, reading the Bible never gets old. The more I read the Bible, the more I want to read the Bible. Uh, my problem is, and I, I, I don't read enough Bible, my problem is I read too quickly. Uh, I need to slow down because it's infinitely deep. Uh, it's boundless. There's so much truth in the Word of God, the deep things of God. John 4, 14. But whosoever drinketh the water, the water, the mirror, the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him, in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And so I think it's great that uh, there's a lot of dimensions given throughout the entire tabernacle, but how much water, how much water, look into the mirror, you see the reflection in God's word, and then the water, there's an endless supply as we wash in the water uh, of the word, okay? Uh, question number one was, uh, where did the water come from? Question number two, uh, where did the mirrors come from? The mirrors. And of course, 
that we know they came from the plunder, the plunder, but, but who gave that, those, those mirrors uh, in order to make that, that part of that, that brass basin? Uh, Exodus chapter 38, verse number 8. I think we have it on the screens. And he made the laver of brass and the foot of it of brass. Here it is. Of the looking glasses of the women. Say that with me. Of the looking glasses of the women. Say it again. Ready? Uh, of the looking glasses of the women. Uh, one thing, I love that, that word, looking glasses. I like that, looking glasses. Uh, it's mirrors. The mirrors. The, the mirrors that the women had. The mirrors that the women had. During the offering, they gave their, their mirrors to that offering. Uh, the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And so the Israelitish women, as they left Egypt, uh, not only had jewels and, and gold and fabric and plunder and, uh, and spoil, uh, some of that spoil was looking glasses, was mirrors that they had. And I think very practically, um, uh, you ever tried to get uh, uh, your wife out the door without her first checking the mirror? Has anyone ever tried to do that? Uh, I'm talking about in the morning when you're trying to get ready for church. And can you imagine if there were no mirrors in the house? And just, uh, okay, Char, you're ready to go. We're, we're ready to go. Uh, I haven't even checked the mirror yet. I, I, I need, I need a time, makeup or hair or just a mirror, the mirror. Uh, can you imagine the, 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 those, that offering, that offering, that offering that they gave It would have been an expensive offering, but even more than that, a very personal offering that they gave. Very practically, they put a higher priority on the spiritual than they did on the the physical. They put a higher priority on the spiritual brass basin, the spiritual mirror representing God's Word, than they did on the physical mirror making sure Physically, physically, they weren't as concerned about their physical preparation in front of a physical mirror as they were about the spiritual preparation and the spiritual mirror of the brass labor of the Word of God giving up their, their brass looking glasses in order to make the, the brass basin or that brass labor. You want to jot it down, put this down. Uh, they valued the spiritual above the physical. They valued the spiritual uh, above the physical. I'm going to give you two more, but I think it's uh, the verse here would be, um, uh, we look not at the things which are seen, the physical, but the things that are not seen, the spiritual. For the things that are seen are, are, are physical, temporal. The things that are not seen are, are eternal or, or spiritual. And so these ladies gave their looking glasses uh, to, to, to build this part of the tabernacle because they valued the spiritual above the physical. Say that. They valued the, the spiritual above the physical. Let me give you a verse in the New Testament about this. First Peter chapter 3, verse number 3. Whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, Boy, obsessing about that physical mirror, obsessing about that that physical appearance. But, uh, the contrast, but, the contrast, let it be the hidden man of the heart. Not the physical, but the spiritual. Not the physical, uh, but the spiritual, the hidden man of the heart. In fact, put down another one. Uh, They focused more on the internal rather than the external. They focused more on the spiritual rather than the physical. 
They focus more on the internal rather than the external. Let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair. Of course, that's 1 Peter chapter 3, speaking into uh, this brass base in the mirrors. But let it be the hidden man of the heart uh, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, uh, which is in the sight of God of great price, uh, not sitting uh, in a front of a physical mirror trying to make sure the physical appearance, uh, the, the outside, the external, uh, but uh, that spiritual mirror that takes care of the hidden, that, that, that hidden man uh, of the heart. I think God's basically saying, why do we spend so much time primping and prepping and preparing physically before we run out of the house, but we're more than willing to run out of the house with our spiritual hair uncombed, our spiritual appearance unkept. Oh, oh yes, we'll pour uh, ourselves, primping, prepping, preparing uh, in front of a physical mirror in the morning without even glancing into God's spiritual mirror of the Word of God. If you're emphasizing the external more than the internal, I guess my question would be, who are you trying to impress? And I'm not saying don't look into a mirror, but I am saying compared to how much time you spend in in front of the Word of God, in front of the Word of God, that spiritual mirror, if you spend more time in front of that physical mirror than you do that spiritual mirror, then my question is, who are we trying to impress and are we really living for an audience of one? If we're spending more time physical mirror than we are spending in front of the, the, uh, uh, the physical rather than, than the spiritual. By the way, I'm going to give you one more verse, uh, and it's 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 9. Uh, and it does speak to Exodus chapter 30. I want to give a disclaimer. Uh, there's many that use this as a proof text as far as um, uh, uh, wearing skirts or dresses or uh, it has to be knee length. It's kind of their proof text, uh, but it's misconstrued. It's misused. First, Peter, uh, First Timothy chapter 2.9. Look at it up on the screen. Uh, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Uh, now, the first thing I want to debunk is uh, the ones that use that as a proof text for uh, all women should wear uh, uh, gunny sacks and kneeling everything and then culottes and uh, ones that use that as the proof text, uh, number one, they're not taking that text in context. What they'll do, that's their proof text. Then they'll go Deuteronomy 22.8 to prop it up where it talks about uh, women shouldn't dress like men. They'll totally ignore uh, three verses later where it says don't wear uh, garments made out of mixed fabric, mixed fabric. Uh, I promise you, every single person in here uh, is wearing garments made out of mixed fabric. And so uh, if you're using Deuteronomy 22.8 to prop up, uh, then, then you better stop wearing mixed fabric because uh, if you look at the tag on your, your shirt, it's going to say 65% cotton, it's going to say 15% uh, nylon, it's going to say 10% uh, something else. And so, and uh, the verse after that says uh, on the, 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 your garments, there needs to be fringes, there needs to be... Uh, uh, three fringes on your clothes over in Israel, uh, Robbie, you'd see them with the Orthodox Jews on their, their coats, their, their jackets. They would have these strings hanging down because they're quite literally following that letter of the law uh, and uh, not wearing mixed fabrics. They're quite literally. And so if we're cherry-picking that one verse to say, well, that props up, Deuter- uh, Deuteronomy 28 props up, First Timothy uh, chapter 9, uh, their proof text, But understand that proof text of that verse isn't talking about physical modesty. 
It's talking about financial modesty. Okay, now just think about, and eventually I'm going to tie it into our, uh, our passage, but I can't tie it in uh, if we still have a wrong paradigm uh, about it, okay? Uh, look at the whole thing, 1 Timothy 2.9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest, financially modest. Financially, not physically modest. Financially modest apparel uh, with shamefacedness and sobriety. Now look at the contrast, the contrast, not with, the contrast, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, uh, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Uh, and so uh, uh, it, it, the contrast isn't wear modest apparel, uh, but not things that are too tight or, or too short or form-fitting. Uh, if it was talking about physical modesty, it would contrast it with that. Uh, it's not talking about physical modesty. It's talking about financial modesty. Uh, and the reason it is is because Paul, prepping Timothy to pastor Ephesus, boy, they were hung up on uh, buying and selling and getting gain. Uh, they were caught up on uh, the financial. Uh, and so that's why uh, Paul tells Timothy, hey, be careful about when you're pastoring there, uh, make sure that the women of your house are, are financially modest. Hey, this isn't preaching against short skirts as much as it's preaching against pretentious, uh, just extravagant, uh, just uh, uh, in, incredibly expensive clothes, name brands everywhere, uh, 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 the financial so, so high. Hey, that's what that verse is talking about, uh, about here. And so, uh, uh, does everybody believe that? Do I need to uh, go further to prove that? I can go further to prove that if you'd like me to, that it's not talking about physical modesty, it's talking about uh, financial modesty. And again, uh, financial modesty, the contrast is gold, pearls, costly array. Uh, if it was physical modesty, it would say, uh, not too short, not too tight, uh, not form-fitting. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with uh, financial modesty. Okay, let me just take another minute. I have... Uh, I'm, I'm, I have bonus time, okay? So um, uh, remember Acts 18 and Acts 19 was that evangelistic explosion at Ephesus. Uh, the word of God increased, many were saved. Uh, uh, there was a large majority that were impacted for God. There was a small group that was adversely affected, Demetrius uh, the silversmith and Alexander the coppersmith. Finances, finances, the financial. It was Ephesus. Timothy's pastoring Ephesus. Paul's prepping Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.9. Uh, these guys had an uproar uh, because it was all about the financial. It was all about the financial. Uh, in fact, don't forget that Ephesus was a key prosperous trade town, a wealthy town, a key financial uh, market. By the way, uh, uh, it's Acts 18.19 where, where that evangelistic explosion in Ephesus uh, Acts chapter 20 is where he calls the elders, the pastors, the elders of Ephesus. Timothy would have been there. Uh, and, and listen to some of the words that he, that he nuances when he's talking to those pastors. He says, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have shown you and taught you uh, house to house. Because the word of God is more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. And so uh, he uses those financial terms to help them to see, boy, it's not about the baubles and the trinkets and the name brands and that costly apparel. Uh, another phrase he uses is, is those grievous walls. Be careful about those, those, those grievous walls. For Second Peter would add, uh, who through covetousness with feigned words would make merchandise. And so Paul's talking to the elders, those pastors. Timothy's there. These are the words that Timothy heard, elders at Ephesus. Uh, it's that same passage where he said, I coveted 
no man's silver or gold or apparel. Boy, it's the same contrast, 1 Timothy 2.9, financially modest apparel, not with gold, not with pearls, not with costly array. That contrast is almost word for word what he told the pastors at Ephesus. These are the words they heard. Now, remember, Ephesus was all about the financial. In fact, uh, the, the theme of Ephesians is true riches, spiritual riches. Okay, take all of that in. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6 is where he said, there are some that suppose that gain is godliness. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Having food and raiment, food and raiment, not costly apparel, food and raiment, let us be there with content, but they that will be rich fall into temptation for the love of money, which while some having coveted after. Now, all of that is the context when Paul is talking to Timothy about pastoring at, at Ephesus, and he says, hey, make sure, make sure it's modest financially, financially modest apparel, not with gold and pearls and costly array. Does anybody believe me now? Does anybody believe me now? I can keep going if you want. And I'm just trying to, to, to debunk uh, that paradigm of that verse, okay? Uh, and, and I'm all for uh, dressing appropriately. I'm all for that. Uh, but you can't prove that with that verse, okay? Uh, I, I'm all for uh, modesty, but you can't prove that with that verse, okay? Uh, now, I say all that to say um, they, they prioritize the inside over the outside. Uh, they prioritize the spiritual over the physical, and they prioritize the humble, modest, modest apparel, modest. Uh, these are just three links in a chain, starting in Exodus chapter 30, uh, the internal rather than the external, spiritual rather than the physical, uh, and uh, we should uh, make sure that we prioritize the humble over the financial. And so Exodus chapter 30, these ladies here were willing to give their looking glasses. They're looking, their mirrors, they were more focused on the work of God uh, than they were on primping and prepping and appealing to whoever is going to see them because it was about the inside. It was about the spiritual. It was about the humble. Not the financial, not the physical, not the external. By the way, I think that's why the Bible says, judge not according to appearance. Judge not according to appearance. Well, pastor, why does that person dress that way? Hey, judge not according to to appearance, because the priority is on the internal. The priority is on the spiritual. The priority is on the humble, not on the financial, the external, or the physical. Uh, and that's why the verse uh, when uh, Samuel was anointing David, man looketh not on uh, man. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God, but God, but God looketh on the heart. Let's stop just now. Uh, and here's the takeaway for today. Think about this morning. Um, I, I go through a routine when I get up, and I'll, I'll, I'll just think, okay. Uh, I get up, I lay all my stuff out on the counter because I share the bathroom with Hannah. She doesn't allow me to keep my stuff out. And so I have to, so I get it all, big mirror there uh, in the shower, uh, uh, trying to take care of that basin. And then uh, combing the hair, and then now trying to figure out what to do with this thing. I think it may be a beer. Uh, and, and the mirror, the mirror, the mirror. A lot of times, 
Boy, uh, when we get into the car, we'll, we'll look at that mirror. We, we'll advise that mirror. When, when we get to work, that mirror, that mirror, that mirror, that mirror. Constantly physical mirror, physical mirror, physical mirror. Uh, I dare say uh, that we spend some 25 to 45, a better part of an hour on the outside, on the external, uh, even at times on the financial. But compare that to how much time we spend on the internal. How much time we spend on the spiritual. How much time we spend on the the humbly, humbly, humbly walking before our God. I think probably the favorite piece of furniture for me in in all of the tabernacle when we come through the the eastern gate, obviously that brazen altar is important because we must be born again, being saved. If we haven't passed that first, nothing else is going to make sense. Uh, But the brass basin, I love the brass basin because it pictures the Word of God reflecting in it. The Word of God washing by it. Water from the rock, probably. Um, the, the, The mirrors definitely given by the looking glasses of the women, which reminds me why I need to focus on the inside, the internal rather than the external. Uh, I, I need to focus on the hidden man of the heart, the, the, the spiritual rather than, than the physical, and then uh, modest, not with costly array and pearls and, uh, and, and gold. Wait, I need to focus on the humble, not on the financial. You know, the world really does try to press us and drive us to get our priorities out of whack. Boy, it tries to force us. Boy, that person just looks goofy, looks different, and... Boy, just wears rags, and boy, I can't believe, and just kind of, kind of demeaning and degrading uh, uh, someone that, that externally, externally, externally. Uh, remember I talked about the wise men that were willing to travel uh, a year and a half? They wouldn't have looked like the scribes of the scriptures uh, that, that, that wouldn't travel five miles, wouldn't travel five miles. I would much rather look like that, the magi, the magicians, those those ones that would have been out of, the, out of the ordinary would have stuck out like a sore thumb. Uh, I would rather be them with a heart that's willing to travel a, a, a year and a half, a, a heart willing to travel a year and a half, uh, rather than, boy, every single, everything just perfectly, externally, externally, uh, uh, just uh, being able to, uh, the, the verbiage, having that right, and uh, the schedule, uh, but not willing to, to sacrifice five miles to worship the Lord. Well, I'd much rather be those guys that had the internal, those guys that had the spiritual, and those guys that had the humble, uh, rather than just playing religion, dressing up, uh, 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 cleaning up, uh, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. By the way, one last thing. One last thing, and then we'll go home. Uh, I, I, I do think it's interesting that For the tabernacle, that brass basin doesn't give any dimensions. For the temple, uh, the the, um, great sea outside of the temple, which is equivalent to that brass basin, the great sea uh, holds, which is the brass basin for the temple, 24,000 gallons of water. The dimensions are given for that, uh, 24,000 gallons of water. Uh, And I was trying to figure out how how much that is, and I I decided that's a whole lot. But anyway, uh, 24,000 gallons of water. Uh, by the way, there's one more place that you're going to see another body of water that is for cleansing. Body of water that's for cleansing. Revelation 4, 6 in heaven, 
before the throne, there was a sea of glass, a sea of glass like unto crystal. And so that brass basin, no dimensions given, boy, you reflect in it, you wash in it. Reflect in it, you wash in it. Temple, uh, that, that, that um, uh, great sea uh, has 24,000 gallons of water as we all reflect in it, wash in it. Reflect in it, uh, wash in it. Boy, I'm, I'm glad when we get to heaven, uh, there's no need uh, of the sun for the Lamb of God is the light thereof. Uh, the tabernacle of God has come down and is with men. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, uh, being our high priest as we interact and he teaches us the word of God, his presence, uh, the glory. Hey, uh, someday we're not going to be able to have, we're not going to have to look at, okay, this piece of the tabernacle tells us this and this piece of the tabernacle tells us that. Boy, someday we're all going to be in the presence of God. And at that point, looking back at our life, we'll be glad that we focused on the internal rather than the external, the spiritual rather than the physical, and the humble rather than the financial. Well, let's make sure we keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is today's message. We invite you to tune in next time with Scott Toole as he presents another message from Rosedale Baptist Church. For more information about today's presentation or about the ministries of Rosedale Baptist Church, go online to rosedalebaptist.org. That's rosedalebaptist.org. Join us again next time as we study the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse.